We are so delighted this morning to have Pastor Joel Urshan and his beautiful daughter, Anna, who has also joined him this weekend. And what a great time we've been having. She is to be married in January. And she has all three of my children in her wedding. And they are getting married in January in Ohio. I said, if you're going to get married in January, Anna, let's like go to Cancun or somewhere. <laughs> so uh, we love Sister Anna and Sophia, these uh, awesome girls. Pastor Joel Urshan and his uh, wife Heidi, they have been very special and very close to our church for a number of years. Brother Joel Urshan first preached here when he was about 16 years old. And uh, he's a few years older than that now. And uh, he told me he was prepared to, to propose to Sister Heidi. And so I said, let's surprise her. Let's fly her down here. And I'm going to get you guys all with my car, get you guys over the chart house. They're going to have a nice meal for you over there. And they'll print something at the top of the menu for you. And then you drive over the bridge down to Melbourne Beach. You walk along the beach and you propose to her right there. So that's exactly what we did. This was before Anna. We'll make sure we clear that up. <laughs> and so we flew Sister Heidi down. And we had so much fun. And over the years, we have appreciated their friendship. This is an anointed, powerful man of God that is the voice of revival and in our generation and a tremendous insight into the Word of God and uh, pastor in a tremendous church in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm so thankful for him, his family, his church, and their ministry. Would you make him feel welcome at First Pentecostal Church? <laughs> pastor Joel Urshan. Amen. Can we give God a great hand clap of praise? Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful, what a wonderful God we serve. And what a great day to be in his presence. It feels really good here in the house of the Lord today. Amen. That's all right. Let's give him another hand clap of praise. He's worthy of all the praise. He is worthy of all the praise. He is worthy of all the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What a great treat it is to be here at First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay with our very dear friends, the Myers family. And we just, we love Pastor and Sister Myers and Gregory and Luke and Sophia and, and uh, Bishop and Dr. Myers. God bless you. And uh, listening to Bishop Myers teach this morning, that's just wonderful. I thank God for that rich word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so good to see the Johnsons. God bless you, brother and sister Johnson. And we just love this church. As Pastor Myers was saying, uh, we go back a long way. And our history here is so special to us. And uh, this is for us and our family where it all began. When we uh, proposed, I proposed, and Pastor Myers helped me 
arrange something. I don't know that I could have got her without that arrangement. I, I don't think I don't even know that I, I had what it took, but but it all worked out that night. The Lord made it made it happen. But we thank the Lord for that. We thank the Lord for this great uh, congregation. You are a great church. Amen. You are a great church, and the work that you do extends beyond these walls and beyond this city, beyond this uh, region. It's a global thing that you do, and uh, I want you to know that that those of us outside who look in on what the Lord is doing, we see and appreciate and are inspired by the ministry of this great congregation. And we particularly want to thank you for just for sharing your pastor and his ministry. He's such a blessing to us in Cincinnati, the Tree of Life Church. Here recently we have, uh, we have uh, we're launching our, our building program and ran into some challenges, and uh, we knew just who to call. And, uh, and he has been greatly used of God, heavily anointed, as you know. And I just want to thank you for your recognition of that. He is a gift to the body of Christ. And, uh, and the entire kingdom of God is blessed by his ministry. And uh, we are grateful for that, and we are, we are the better for it. And I'm so glad to have Anna here, my sweet daughter. And she is getting married next, this coming January. And uh, we're blessed, and, and they're a wonderful young couple, and uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord has in store for them, uh, but it's uh, hard to believe that so much time has passed and how quickly it has passed. Uh, but we're so glad to be here this morning, and I just want to look into the Word of the Lord for a moment and, and, and ask the Lord to bless us with His Word. I'm turning your attention to the book of Genesis, <clears throat> the book of Genesis chapter 22. And uh, I want to read a few verses of Scripture from a very important passage in the Word of the Lord, beginning with the first verse of Genesis chapter 22. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. They went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, like this, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, 
seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Oh, hallelujah. I want to concentrate our attention on that on that statement in, a, in, in verse 13 of Genesis 22 where it simply says he was caught in the thicket by his horns. And that's my message. Caught in the thicket by his horns. Can we just lift up our voices in praise unto the Lord once again for his holy word and his mighty power. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would bless us today as we look into your matchless word. For, Lord, you alone have all power. And we pray, Lord, that you would appropriate that power into our lives. Help us, O oh God, to receive your word. Lord, help us to obey your word, to be blessed and challenged and changed by the power of your word. Lord, anoint the remainder of this service and your messenger and your congregation of people. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Those who are of an Orthodox Jewish faith persuasion, it's quite common. In fact, it's, it is the practice when they pray, to pray facing Jerusalem. Wherever they are in the world, they will situate themselves physically, bow their head, and to pray toward Jerusalem. And, and this is, of course, the way that it has been for a very long time. Uh, when we were in Jerusalem... Uh, several years ago, uh, we we were we were confronted with the question: Where do they face when they pray while in Jerusalem? Because they're there. Where do you where do you where do you start praying? And where do you face? What direction? Uh, what position? Physical position? Do you take when you're in Jerusalem and you're trying to pray toward Jerusalem? And there is an answer to that question. Because wherever they are in the world and they're praying toward Jerusalem, they are not merely praying toward Jerusalem, but they are specifically facing Mount Moriah. So when they're in Jerusalem, they will situate themselves accordingly to, to face Mount Moriah and pray in that direction. And, and the purpose of this is because of the supreme spiritual significance Involved in what took place in the very passage of Scripture we just read. It was a profound landmark moment in the history of the people of Israel. This moment when Abraham, the father of the faithful, was told by God that he would take his son, his only son that he loved, and 
get into the land of Moriah and offer him upon one of the mountains which God would tell him of. And Abraham, seemingly without hesitation, gathers everything up that he needs, takes his son and, and travels, doesn't even know exactly where he's going. God said, when you see the mountain, I'll tell you that's the mountain. So they pass one mountain after another, perhaps, and then when they get to Mount Moriah, the Lord said, this is the place. And, and Abraham takes Isaac up to the mountain. I love what he said to his servants. We read it. He said, abide ye here. I and the lad are going to go yonder. I and the lad are going to go worship. And I and the lad are going to come again to you. Amen. He knew something. He knew that Isaac was the son of promise. And that he didn't know exactly what God was up to, but he knew Isaac was coming back down off that mountain. So they are walking up to the place where the sacrifice is going to transpire. Isaac looks around and notices the knife. He notices the wood. He notices everything they need for the fire. Mysteriously, there is no lamb. And he gets this crazy notion that he might be the lamb. He said, hey, Dad, uh, question for you. Where is the lamb? And again, I love Abraham's response. He said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. And I love that because that's exactly what God did when he came into this world as the son of God. He provided himself as the lamb for sinner slain. Hallelujah. Worthy is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. As they arrive on that place, I mean, Abraham is showing no signs of trepidation. He, 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 there's no record in the scripture that he was even, that he was doubting at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he staggered not at the promise. He just simply, he's sharpening the knife. He's binding Isaac to the altar. He's laying the wood in order. He's getting ready to proceed. And he lifts the knife and the Lord speaks to him. The angel of the Lord stops him and said, I now know that you fear God because you have not withheld thy son from me. Look behind, there is a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And when Abraham looked behind and saw that a ram had journeyed up the mountain and had gotten caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham was able then to know God provided himself a lamb for the burnt offering. He named that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. How many are thankful that the Lord is your provider this morning? Oh, hallelujah. The Lord is provider he said God has provided a ram for his offering Jesus would later say to the Pharisees who were basically asking him what do you know about our father Abraham he said let me tell you something about your father Abraham he said your father Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day and he saw the day of Christ. Abraham saw the day of Christ when he saw that ram rustling in the thicket caught by his horns because what that ram did for Isaac is exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and I. 
it was you and I who were supposed to be upon the cross. It was you and I who were supposed to be wounded and bruised and chastised. It was you and I who were supposed to pay the penalty for sin and death. But thanks be to God who had given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a reason why we shout, and there is a reason why we sing. There is a reason why we dance and why we sing of amazing grace and unfailing love. Because God is a good God. Yes, he is. God is a good God. Oh, hallelujah. He stepped in just in time. He took my place. I'll praise him all the days of my life. Don't tell me I shouldn't praise him. Don't tell me that I shouldn't sing, clap, shout, rejoice, give honor and praise. Certainly don't tell me that I shouldn't lay it all down and serve him. And please don't ask me to be baptized in somebody else's name. He brought me out and he bought me and he sought me. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin and left a crimson stain. But Jesus washed it white as snow. And Abraham saw it when the ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. And Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. If Abraham could rejoice before it happened. We ought to rejoice knowing that it has happened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This was, this was interesting because the Bible says that he was caught in the thicket by his horns. This is the first time that the Bible references the ram's horns. And, and yet this reference would, would, be, would be replete throughout the remaining course of the scriptures we would continue to see the emergence of the ram's horn in the scriptures as a, as a symbol of God's mercy, a symbol of God's provision, a symbol of God's presence, a very present help in the time of trouble. It was over and over throughout the scriptures and it is all tied back to this moment when the ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. He was, the ram's horn is a, it's a, it's a strangely shaped thing. It, it kind of bends and curls and, and turns in an odd way. It, it, it is prone to get caught on things. And, 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 and that's, that's exactly the way that God intended it. And, and, and so the children of Israel had an allegiance and a, and a, and a preference, a deference, if you please, for the ram's horn. And they understood its symbolism and in fact, they would use it in the, in the, even in the heat of battle, they would use the ram's horn. And, and, and when the battle would, would get hot, and when the battle would get heavy, and when the enemy would be bearing down, and, and sometimes even when they didn't know if they were going to come out of this thing alive, there would be a sounding of the ram's horn. 
and the sounding of the ram's horn by the priests of the Lord would, would let all of the children of Israel hear that the ram's horn is being sounded. And when they heard that ram's horn sound, it meant the same thing to each one of them. It meant you're not in this battle by yourself. This is not your fight. This is not your struggle. This is the battle that belongs to the Lord. You are fighting on the Lord's side. Be strong and of good courage. The Lord thy God is with you. Oh, hallelujah. When they would hear that ram's horn, they would go forth with confidence, knowing that God would never leave them, that God would never forsake them. Even when it seemed like hope was lost and that Isaac was going to die, the ram's horn was a reminder that there's a ram in the thicket caught by his horn. This was the same ram's horn that, that they used as a container for the anointing oil. And they would pour this, this mixture of oil that God so carefully prescribed a, a recipe for it. And they would place this oil inside of a container. That container was a ram's horn. And they, that's why they call it a horn of oil. It was a horn of oil, a ram's horn of oil. And they would take that oil and they would pour out of the ram's horn. They would pour that oil upon the head of the priest. And they would pour that oil over the head of the king. And that king and that priest, the prophet of the Lord, would understand that as they began to do what the Lord had called them to do, they were not alone. They were not by themselves. They were anointed by a higher calling. There was a power that was present with them. Jehovah. Jireh, the Lord is my provider, was with them. It did not matter what they were called to do, no matter how difficult it was or how impossible it seemed. There was an ever-present awareness that the ram's horn has poured oil upon my head and it has covered me from my head to my foot and I am anointed with the knowledge that God is with me. I'm anointed with the understanding that the Lord is on my side. I'm anointed with the knowledge that I'm not in this thing by myself. Oh, I would to God that somebody in this house, no matter who you are, and I don't care how unworthy you feel, you need to hear what the Lord is telling you. The Lord thy God is with you. God before you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. I pray in the name of Jesus that the word of God will penetrate whatever hardened exterior shell you may have placed around your heart or mind and help you to know that the Lord is with you. Help you to know that the Lord is concerned about you. Help you know that all of his mighty power and all of his gracious love and all of his beautiful wisdom, all of it is with you and for you. That's what the ram's horn served as, how it served as a reminder. In fact, when the Lord laid out the way that the, the ark would be formed, the way that the, that the, the brazen altar, rather, would be formed, he made sure that the brazen altar was formed so that on the corners of the altar were the horns of the altar. 
these horns of the altar were, were an interesting thing because they were to symbolize those ram's horns. These ram's horns typified something. They typified the mercy of the Lord. Do we even know how blessed we are to have the mercy of the Lord? God help us not to take it for granted and never should we ever feel that we somehow are worthy or deserving of it. We are here because God is merciful. I'm not able to, I don't deserve to hold this microphone. I don't deserve to stand behind this pulpit. I'm not worthy to open that book. But God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is full of loving kindness and tender mercies, He has so graciously allowed us to be able to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Don't you ever think you're here because of your goodness and don't you ever think you're here because of something special you have done you are here because God is good you are here because the Lord is merciful you are here oh my God somebody said somebody said I don't deserve to be here I should be dead and in my grave wrong you should be dead and in hell but God has kept you and God has shown mercy to you Hallelujah. These horns, these horns upon the altar were a reminder to the priest as he would come in that these horns represent that God is with you, that God is merciful, that God is going to take your place, that God is going to provide a substitutionary sacrifice. As a matter of fact, when Adonijah felt the wrath of King Solomon descending upon him, he ran to the altar and he grabbed the horns of the altar for his life to be spared. Saints used to talk about it, you know, those old godly saints that would, that would say certain sayings and we'd get away from them sometimes in 2019, but they used to talk about pleading the blood of Jesus. I wish we could get back to pleading the blood of Jesus. How about this one? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. How about this? Take all your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Hallelujah. Well, they used to also, they talked about praying through. Hallelujah. Don't just pray. Pray through. Pray through the struggle. Pray through the wall. Pray through the mountain. Pray through. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. They talked about things that were of spiritual significance. And one of them was this. You got to grab hold of the hearts of the altar. I don't know what sin you've committed. I don't know how difficult life has been. I don't know what mistakes you've made. I don't know what problems you have. I don't know what things you're responsible for. But I do know that anybody and everybody can run to the altar and take hold of the horns of the altar and say, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy upon me. My mind goes back to when Jesus was describing the disparity between the prayer of the Pharisee and the prayer of the publican. The Pharisee's prayer was, was given by a man with a long flowing garment and, and had a lot to offer in terms of human wealth and excellence. And as he walked into the temple, 
he began to pray an oration of prayer. And he, he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, these sinners around me. I thank you that I'm not in the shape that they're in. You're wrong, Mr. Pharisee. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much Bible you know. Every one of us is like the other. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. Don't you let this suit and tie fool you. I come short of the glory of God and I need his mercy and his grace and his love. Next to that Pharisee was a publican who simply said, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. Jesus said, that's the prayer that has my attention. It's the prayer of the sinner who knows he's a sinner. And he calls out for the mercy of God. There's something about taking hold of the mercy of God and saying, Lord, I know I don't deserve it. Lord, I know I've been unclean. I know I've been ungodly. I know I've been unrighteous. But, but somebody somewhere told me that you'll forgive me of my sins. Somebody somewhere told me that there's an amazing grace that when I'm lost, I can be found. And when I'm blind, I can see. Somebody told me the love of Jesus Christ. what those horns represent. Grab hold of the horns. Abraham, Abraham standing there upon that place of sacrifice, preparing the, the altar and getting ready to sacrifice Isaac and laying the wood in order. I can imagine tears rolling down his face. I can imagine deep concern, but he's going through the motions. He's being obedient unto God. He's sharpening the knife. He's lifting the knife. And the angel of the Lord speaks and says, Abraham, look. Abraham looked behind him, saw the ram caught in the thicket by his horns. That is so interesting to me because that thicket shouldn't have even been there. The Bible says that God cursed man after the fall. He said, man, cursed is the ground because of you. For your sake, the ground is cursed. Because the ground is cursed, you're going to work by the sweat of your face. And in working by the sweat of your face, you're going to produce. But you're not going to produce what you want to produce. You're going to produce thorns. And you're going to produce thistles. When thorns and thistles begin to intertwine and grow wildly together and move into the direction of one another, and they begin to they begin to force, they begin to, to, to develop into a quagmire of, of unpenetrable barriers called thickets. The thicket was there because of man's sin. The thicket was there because of man's unrighteousness. The thicket was there because of man's disobedience. And the ram was caught in the thicket. I'm preaching to people, you've got thickets in your life. Thickets that are your mistakes and your problems 
and there and you're the reason and you know you're the reason and you know if you hadn't done this then that wouldn't happen and if you hadn't done that then this wouldn't have happened and this would have never happened if you'd have just had better sense back there and if you'd have listened to the preacher and if you'd have listened to your parents and and on and on the story goes and the thorns grow and the thistles grow and the thorns multiply and the thistles multiply and they develop into an impenetrable unstoppable thicket that has created more problems for you and for your marriage and for your children and for your physical health and you don't know what to do about it because the thicket has grown wildly out of control oh but I've come to tell you that God has horns that are designed to get caught in your thick. They're oddly shaped. His horns are oddly shaped. They're not, they're not just a linear, they're not like a well-designed instrument, like a trumpet. And one is different from the other. They're, they're strange the way they shape. They're unpredictable the way they wind and turn and point. And, 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 and they're designed to be that way. If the ram didn't have horns, he wouldn't have got caught in the thicket. If the ram didn't have those strangely shaped horns, he would have run into the thicket without horns he'd have just pulled back out and went another way but the horns getting caught up in the thicket can I tell you that what gets God all mixed up in your issues is his love and his mercy if he didn't have love and if he didn't have mercy he could just move right along but he charges into your problems he charges into your circumstances and his love and his mercy keep him there pastor pastor his love and his mercy they're strangely shaped they're so odd the way they're shaped. They're not shaped the way I would have shaped them. I would have picked a different design. God forgives some people that you and I would have trouble forgiving. There are some folks we would have given up on a long time ago. But the strangely shaped love of God reaches into the turmoil they have created for themselves. Folks that have cursed him and he's caught in the thicket of their life. Folks that have uh, uh, blasphemed him but he's caught in the thicket of their life. People who have doubted him and denied him and betrayed him and forsook him and fled from him and did all manner of evil against him. He's caught by his horns in the thicket they have created for themselves. Hallelujah. It, when you see him in the garden of Gethsemane, he's a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. 
He's just like that ram caught in the thicket trying to shake loose, but he can't. The horns are stuck in the thicket. That's what you see in the Garden of Gethsemane when you see God in flesh. See, when God put himself into the body of a human being, he put himself into the thicket of humanity. He put him into the thing we can't get out of. Paul called his body this. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death this body is dying it is dilapidating it is disintegrating it is evaporating it is completely falling apart every day that you live and the only way out of it is to die out of it and we're all got an appointment with death it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment you may think you're invincible but don't 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 take your ease this may be the day that your son is required of you but I've come to sound the ram's horn this morning because you are not alone in this life and death struggle you are not by yourself in this thicket of your own making God put himself in your kind of body there in the garden of Gethsemane he found himself in the thicket that man had created. These thorns and thistles had wrapped themselves around the pure and the innocent, the blameless, the blemishless, only begotten son of the living God. He began to wrestle against the thicket. If this cup can pass from me, then let it pass from me. But the, but the horns would not budge. The love and the mercy was so strong. And they were so strangely shaped. They were intertwined. They were wrapped around the struggle of humanity. They were wrapped around the confusion and the chaos of your life. They were stuck in the depression that you are facing. They were, they were, they were intertwined, helplessly intertwined in the condemnation of your soul to hell. And his love and his mercy would not let him out of the thicket until he finally said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's why he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. See, a ram is a lamb that has grown into full maturity. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And when his horns had grown to just the right length, it was time to charge the thicket of the curse. Love and mercy kept him there until he became the sacrifice. I remember Shane. He was a, he was a young man that was a friend of my brother and I. We went to school together. Shane never really, he never really served God. And we knew that about Shane. He just, he's a good, good kid, just didn't, he just didn't care anything about God, it didn't seem. Shane went down the wrong road. Instead of turning to serve the Lord, he, he turned down a really bad path. And he started selling drugs. And he got in trouble with the law. That didn't stop him. He just continued selling drugs. He kept doing it until he finally got into a mess he could not get out of. 
My father would go and visit Shane in the jail and minister to him and pray for him. And, and I, I mean, bless dad's heart. He's a good pastor. But Shane's not going to change. And I thought that to myself. I didn't dare say that to dad. But I remember one particular Wednesday before Bible study, dad was getting ready to head out couple hours before church and I said dad you heading out now to church he said well yeah but he said I'm gonna stop by the jail and I'm gonna talk to Shane and I thought to myself Shane's not gonna change I mean I believe in the love of God and all but I know Shane Shane's not gonna change Shane's been in trouble with the law Shane doesn't care about the law He's not going to change. It was a couple of months later. I was actually preaching a revival. And my mother called me. She said, Joel, you won't believe it. I said, what? She said, you won't believe who's up at the front of the church. Dancing. Speaking in other tongues. And she was right. I didn't believe it. She said, guess. I said, Bob, no. Jim, no. Jerry, no. Larry, no. Ralph, no. I don't even know who those people are, but I knew all of them could get it before Shane could get it. Finally, finally I said, who in the world is up at the front? She said, Shane Saunders is down at the front of the church speaking in other tongues, dancing before the Lord. That was 21 years ago. He's got a beautiful wife and three beautiful children. They're all serving the Lord. He's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the old veteran preacher knew something that the young, arrogant evangelist didn't know. God, hallelujah, God. God is able to get into anybody's circumstances and lift them out. I, when I found out it was Shane, I felt, I felt the Lord just kind of come down before me and just very gently smack me. As if to say, don't tell me who I can save. Don't tell me who I can't save. Don't tell me who I can't deliver. Don't tell me who I can't bring out. He will bring you out without a doubt. He'll save your soul. He'll make you whole. It doesn't matter how complicated, how complex, how difficult, how problematic you have made things in your life. He's rustling in the thicket of your circumstances today, right now, right now. He's caught in the thicket by his own. If you believe it, lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. I don't know what is going on in your world, 
But if you've got a problem that seems too complex for you to handle, I want you to come right now. The ram's horn is sounding. The ram's horn is sounding. The ram's horn is sounding. If there are diseases and problems and your family needs deliverance and your marriage is on the rocks and your finances are crumbling and your soul is perplexed and your mind is depressed, I want somebody to come right now and say, oh, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God. somebody I want you to bring the problems you can't handle it doesn't matter how mixed up messed up come on bring it all to God bring every thorn and every thistle bring every complication come on there's a ram in your thicket the love and the mercy of God is with you God has not forgotten you God has not forsaken you Thank you. 